Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Morgan Euseni. Morgan competed for Plymouth High School, graduating in 2003. During her time in high school, she was once All-State in cross-country, finishing third her freshman year, and two times All-State in track, winning the 800 her junior year and finishing fifth her senior year. Upon graduation, she made the choice to run for Cornell University. At Cornell, she was four times All-American, twice in the Indoor 800, and twice in the Outdoor 800. After graduating, she would go on to put her name in the conversation as the most accomplished Indiana distance runner. She is Indiana all-time number one in the 800 and 1500, third in the mile, and fourth in the 3K. She ended 2011 as world number one in the 1500, won the 2012 U.S. Trials in the 1500, and would end her career as a three-time U.S. champion, twice in the outdoor 1500 and once in the indoor 1500. She unfortunately had a string of really bad luck on the biggest stages, getting tripped in the 2011 1500 World Championship Finals, 2012 1500 Olympic Finals, and the 2014 U.S. Finals, the 1500. It's hard not to think what could have been if she wasn't tripped in the Olympics. She would tell you that she came into that race confident that she had the fitness to contend for the podium. Despite her string of really bad luck, she continued to bounce back time and time again. I really enjoyed hearing Morgan's story from her beginnings in northern Indiana to reaching the heights of the sport. Morgan has a ton to be proud of, but I was really impressed by her humble, down-to-earth nature. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Morgan Ucity. Morgan, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I don't Absolutely. talk about my running as much these days, so this will be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. So we start each episode off with what's called a little tier talk. Uh, basically, we rank three, I don't know, it's like a question and we rank three of the best, I don't know, sandwiches or food places or whatever. And this week is the best things about cold weather. Uh, do you want me to go first? Or yeah, you... go for it. Okay. So my number three, this is more of a little hack. And I feel like a lot of people look at me crazy when I do this or say this, but I always dress for the area I'm going to be the most at, if that makes sense. So like, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that wears shorts, like in the dead of winter, if I know I'm going to be inside oh. most of the time. <laughs> Cause you know, you want to be comfortable indoors. So <laughs> I so. think that's like, I don't know if that's, I think that's like a man thing. Cause I, mm-hmm. I just think women in general, maybe like run cold. Like I'm cold inside also yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't work for me at all. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, like my legs never get cold, but my upper body is cold pretty easily, which is random. But <laughs> so that's my number three. Number two is when the car finally starts heating up. So probably the worst part about the cold is like walking to the car, sit in the car while it's like, while it's still cold. If you're like running late or something, when it finally yeah. starts to heat up, it's amazing. Yeah, that's, I can agree with you on that one. There you go. <laughs> one of one of two. Yeah. Uh, the number one is a hot shower after a freezing run. So, you know, a long run in the winter, you get done, nice warm shower. Just feel, it feels like you earned it and it feels good after the cold weather. Yeah, sure. As long as you don't get to the point where you're like so cold that then the warm water feels like fire. That's true. That's a good point. 
I've been there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are my top three. What about you? All right. So I like yours when you explain them better. I didn't rank, <laughs> I didn't rank them. I would say I just listed three, but I'll start with number three. I guess I put it's that a, it's the perfect time to leave and visit warm tropical destinations. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> otherwise it's too hot to go to like, say the Caribbean in like the summertime. So you leave when it's cold, it'll be nice there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, let's see. My number two was that. So I don't know if you know this about New Englanders, but they like love iced coffee. They just like drink iced coffee like year round. But I am like obviously a Midwesterner. So I like hot coffee. Mm-hmm. Like even in the summer, it's like hot coffee. But I appreciate that when it's cold out, I'm not like sweating while <laughs> drinking my hot coffee. <laughs> um, and number one for me is that there's just less people out on like the trails and paths. Mm-hmm. So it's like nice and quiet. Like there's definitely some like diehards that are always out there, but I just always, it's like, if it's like snowing, like you probably won't see hardly anyone out there. And I love that. That's good. And the people you do see, like you said, you know, they're the diehards. They're, they're in it with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are you in New England now? Is that where you live? Yeah. So I live just outside of Boston. Okay, cool. How long have you lived there? Um, I moved here when I was still competing. So I, I think it was like maybe 2000, maybe like the start of 2015. Okay. Um, and then, so I was like racing here, living closer to Boston even. And then I retired in 2016 and then I met my husband. We were like dating by then. So I just decided to stay. Okay. Do you miss the Midwest at all? Um, I really, I, I miss like visiting, like a lot of my family still lives there. Like I really do love to go back, but I don't necessarily miss it as like a place to like live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like to go back and like visit and I think it was a great place to grow up. Um, but for me, yeah, I just don't know that like I would want to live there now. Yeah. No, I can understand that. I feel like it's it's kind of one or two ways. Like you've grown up here and it's kind of all you know and you're like okay with that. Like it's a nice, it's a nice area to like grow up in and raise a family. Sure. Yeah. But that's kind of the other half of like, I need to get out of the Midwest. I need to see some other things. Yeah. yeah. But there there's definitely like a lot of great things about the Midwest. But I have like traveled around and lived in a lot of places. And I think just like I mean, I've been, like I just I never even like to go back to the same place like I feel like I'd like to keep like kind of like onwards and on to the next place like my husband and I have already talked about when at some point we'd like to live like in Europe and like not even in Um, America at all so dang that's cool I like that we'll see if it happens (laughs) yeah what part of Europe well I would love I right now my boat is Italy and Mm. his boat is Spain so (laughs) okay two good choices right there yeah that's cool so we are gonna get kind of into your whole running journey, uh, starting from the beginning. So if you wouldn't mind, how did you get your start in running? What did the beginning look like for you? Great. So I feel like I have like a terrible memory. So I'm so glad you wrote this out, but my beginning in running is like one of the kind of, I feel like the few things that I remember pretty well. And 
like my life when I was young, I was like very into basketball, like growing mm -hmm. up in Indiana, like that was kind of necessary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like when I started sixth grade, I really wanted to play basketball, but in sixth grade, basketball wasn't an option. Like it didn't start until seventh grade. So my cousin was a year older than me and she was running cross country and she's like, well, you should just do this. Like, you know, you, you want to be active and stay active. And like, I do cross country. So I did cross country basically because she talked me into it. <laughs> nice. Did yeah. you like it right away? It's hard to remember. Like immediately I want to say no, because like, I never liked cross country. I love the team and I loved like, I gotta let my dog in real fast. She's scratching the oh. door. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, it was just, oh, it was just hard. I just found cross country and even in Indiana, I didn't realize that in other States, even in, I guess this would have been maybe, maybe not in middle school, but in high school, you know, like the distances are different. Like, I think we ran maybe like 4k in high mm -hmm. school and like everyone else I talked to is like, oh, we were in 5k. And I was like, I had it even easier than other people. <laughs> I still didn't like it. So, right. So did you give up basketball to play? Or to run, to run cross country? I did not, know. So as soon as I was able to play basketball, like the seasons just didn't overlap. So I was still mm -hmm. able to do cross country in the fall and then basketball in the winter and then track in the spring. And then I played like AAU and summer league basketball. Okay. Were you any good at basketball? I mean, I was okay. I definitely like wanted to go to college to play basketball. And like, that was definitely like my main dream. I was a point guard okay. um, and like, I was fast and I played really good defense, but I was just like, okay. Like, I think, you know, I made JV my freshman and sophomore year and then varsity my junior and senior year, but like, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very average, probably <laughs> looking back. So but, I, mean, I hired like coaches, I like hired coaches. I hired oh, wow. Uh, well, my mom, my parents hired, I had a, like a personal trainer because I was trying to like bulk up for basketball because mm -hmm. I was like pretty small as a runner. So, I mean, I definitely like really took it seriously. Yeah. So when it came time to like go to college, were you, did you ever consider playing basketball in college instead of running? A little bit. I think, you know, I, I started like thinking about it, but at the end of the day, like no one that I was talking to, like I was just getting much more I mean it slash no interest really in basketball except maybe I could seek out I could play like d3 or maybe at some small mm -hmm. schools but if I wanted to go to any kind of like bigger school and maybe get financial aid like it was pretty clear that running was going to be the outlet for that mm -hmm. so and by that point I didn't like you know I had had some, had had some success and that always like I feel like makes you like that thing yeah. a little bit better so I didn't like hate it as much by that point because I'd also stopped cross country and I just focused on track <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's actually something I've been thinking about is like I don't know do I like something because I'm good at it or because I actually enjoy it and like does it matter if it's one or the other I don't know it's like interesting to think about yeah I think it I think just people like everyone's a little bit different and what motivates them and mm. um like 
I do feel really fortunate that even though it was something that I didn't just like love right away, like I did develop like a true love for mm. the sport. So it kind of, and, it, and maybe it just changes throughout people's lives, like depending on kind of like where you're at in your life, it's going to probably mean something different for you. And that'll mm. change over the course of your career and life. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like they're like running, for example, there are th- aspects of running that are are the things that you enjoy. Maybe it's competing, maybe it's pushing yourself, maybe it's like the feeling of of succeeding. And like there, those kind of things can be like translated into other areas of life, uh, right. especially as you like move through different stages. So I think there's definitely truth to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how important do you feel like your like athleticism was to your success in running? Like, was there value in? in playing basketball or going back, would you just focus on running? Oh, I, I mean, again, it's like, I can't put like a actual, I know this to be true, but I feel that it made a big difference playing basketball. And even now I, so I work as a personal trainer currently. And so, and I still work with, with runners and, you know, if you think about like, all you do in running is like forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're going to just develop, but there's all these other planes of motion out there that we have access to. And what I try to tell people is, is it's like all those other side to side motions that like build your stability to go forwards and backwards. Mm -hmm. So it it really is important. Um, So there's like that aspect, but also just developing power and quickness um, and things that are really important for a middle distance runner. Mm. And I could definitely tell that my like athleticism, like waned over time. And like, now if I had to, I'd have to like really warm up to like (laughs) go do like jumps and, and just do things more athletically. Uh, cause I just like, haven't kept up with that. So I would definitely encourage people to do multiple sports if you can, Mm. or if it's not a sport, like a hobby, like just try to do things that are like outside of running because it'll make you a more well-rounded athlete and runner at the end of the day. Was that, was that an element of your training, like throughout your career, like the developing the the power and like lateral movement and things like that? For sure. And I'm sure like as a middle distance runner, that was like a little bit more important to me, but like when I specifically, when I joined, um, the mammoth track club, um, that was with people like Ryan and Sarah Hall, Meb Kefleski, Dina Cass. So like marath- really good marathon runners. And they would be doing 60 meter hill sprints with mm-hmm. the 800 meter mile or 5k people. So we all did sprints and weight room training. And like, of course, like theirs looked a little bit different, but like our coach kind of realized the importance of like keeping those energy systems and just for injury prevention, like for all distances. And obviously, I mean, those athletes I named had like wildly long, successful careers. Yeah, for sure. As did you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not at the level of some of them, but. That's fair. (laughs) I've I've been thinking about like, I got a high school level, the value of, I don't know, maybe especially like throughout the off season playing like soccer one day, like cutting the mileage a little bit or like doing, just doing fun stuff that develops that like lateral movement, athletic motion. And like kind of, I don't know, it feels kind of scary. Like letting your athletes, you know, do those kinds of things easy to like turn an ankle or whatever, but 
I think like what you're saying, there's a lot of value in those lateral movements. For sure. And I think like just the key word you said is like, do something fun because mm. our sports can be so stressful. And I experienced like a ton of anxiety with running. And that's one of the reasons I hated cross country is because I just felt like a lot of pressure and mm. I just hated that. So not, and of course, like I love basketball and I still felt pressure, but like, that was something that I would, I would want to go like just shoot free throws or mm. play horse with my dad. Like that was the stuff that I did for fun. Um, and again, that's probably, again, why I loved it a little bit more at the time is because it was something I could do with my teammates. And there was that different element of like having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is, so what do you remember about your time in high school? Like, do you remember things about your training or maybe some key moments throughout that time? Yeah. So, um, I do, let's see, like, I don't really remember like the kind of training I did. Gosh. I'm the same way. My memory, <laughs> my memory is so bad. You know, like I, I would say if I had to just like be really general, I was a very, it was very like low mileage. Mm -hmm. Um, like I bet the longest run I did was probably like three miles oh really maybe four I mean yeah wow really. in high school I bet yeah it's probably yeah and then so but we did you know a lot of like faster stuff on the track okay. even the stuff on the track it was never like k repeats it was maybe in cross country we did some longer stuff but it was probably a lot more like 400s 200s and things like that yeah so was that kind of your your coach's philosophy like he was more on the the speed end of things lower mileage more intensity or were you injury prone or what was kind of the, the thought behind the low mileage I don't I think that's just like kind of how things were like mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of the like internet and social media you didn't know what other people were doing yeah um, and his daughter, it was our athletic director, was our track coach, um, Mr. Benj. And he, so his daughter was also a cross-country runner, but he wasn't the cross-country coach. So I think he just had more of, you know, and his, like his daughter also did basketball and son. So I think it was just more of that kind of like sprinter, short distance mindset. Yeah. So your career has kind of spanned the length of the development of the internet and, and social media <laughs> and everything. <laughs> How has that like affected oh. your, your running and, and approach to it, I guess. I honestly feel like really fortunate that I missed social media when I was young, because obviously mm -hmm. social media can be a great thing, but it can also be a pretty like detrimental and a way to compare yourself against every person in the country. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't know that after state track that people went to like nationals like I just didn't know that those things like existed but I also like didn't like seek them out I'm sure like maybe my parents knew and I was just like eh, no it's basketball season I don't know <laughs> yeah I don't know I think having that kind of just like focus where I just worried about like me and the people that I knew like in my conference and things like that it just made it a much more like manageable piece of like um, what am I trying to say? Like, it was just like a smaller chunk to focus on yeah. than what are people doing in the whole country? And oh my God, like I'm not that fast. And I think that I'm lucky that I kind of missed that. Honestly. Yeah. 
Do you remember a point in your career when you like started to realize that other people like eventually you'd make it to the Olympics? I'm sure at that point, like you were very aware of what people thought of you and your competitors. And do you remember like a moment when that started to change? You know, it probably wasn't really until like pretty late in my career. Like I I would say it probably had already been running pro for a few years because like when I first went pro, like I was kind of just mostly running like C-level meets in Europe and like nobody knew who I was. I was, which was fine. And I was just like getting experience and, and that was great. But then there was definitely like one meet where I ran a 1500 and I was primarily an 800 meter runner, but I like, mm-hmm. I think I, I either won or I did really well. And I ran like 406 and I was like, holy shit, like that's actually, so all of a sudden, I think then like it was just the start where I was getting a little more interest in bigger meets. And then I started to like pay more attention to like, okay, who's in those bigger meets mm. and what kind of times are they running? Uh, but in general, I I think I've always just kind of kept um, more self-aware. And I like, if you ask me like what my PRs are and like certain, like the 400 and things, like I have no idea. Like I just, mm. I never really kept track. I never kept track of like past workouts. So I feel like I was always just like a live by like a day-to-day mm. kind of thing and like don't worry about what other people are doing yeah what uh what motivated you like throughout your career to get be as successful as you were um I definitely have like a big self motivation um like it's just my like innate ability like I just love to like push myself like I'm one of those practice players like (laughs) I feel like there's like the two kinds of people there's like the people that they're like okay in practice they don't try very hard but when game day comes they like turn it on and they're like a different person whereas like I'm kind of like the person that likes to really grind and practice and I like to work really hard and then I'm still I'm usually like on game day like maybe kind of hit or miss so okay. um, but I just I love the grind um, and I also have realized I guess I'm kind of a people pleaser so um, I definitely like ran for you know, like the coaches that gave me financial aid. Like I I always felt like Mm -hmm. I kind of owed people or I needed to like live up to the opportunities that they afforded me. Um, Like in a good way though, not like, not like it was pressure, but I just wanted to like do right by my coaches and family and people like that. Definitely. Have you always been pretty self-motivated? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I have, I have a stepson who's nine and I'm, this is, he's like at the age where I'm trying to get him to like do chores around the house. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you load the dishwasher. And then <laughs> he like, doesn't want to do it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I tell, I'll tell like my husband, like, I'm pretty sure I, I did do, I did do chores all the time when I was younger. <laughs> and I didn't know if I was like making that up. So I like called my mom or he called my mom. He's like, did Morgan like work hard when she, when she was younger? My mom's like, oh yeah. She was like always doing something. <laughs> and I was like, yes, validated. So I do, I think that just kind of like, was like something I did from a young age and it just Mm -hmm. tracked through my life. Yeah. Do you think it was instilled in you by your parents or you've kind of just always been that way? I think so. Like I, we kind of, my brother and I grew up doing 4-H. So we were like 10 year 4-H members. We had like cows and goats. So I mean, we'd have to like feed and water them every morning and like clean out their pens and train them and stuff that like now looking back, 
it's like it took it did take like a lot of work and I think it was just kind of it was like a pretty steep like learning curve of like okay like you want to do these things you have to keep your animals alive like you have to do all those things and they weren't like really hard things but they are time consuming things like I'd rather would have been like inside like playing yeah. or whatever it was with my brother <laughs> there you go yeah I'm always curious about that question especially from like a coaching perspective like can can the person who comes into a program who like isn't self-motivated or doesn't seem to be too into the sport like can that be changed you know via culture or the coach or like what I don't know like where where does motivation you know come from and have you seen have you seen like people come in and kind of like change their level of kind of like intensity and focus like yeah no it definitely it definitely changes um I think part of like kind of going back to what we were saying you know a little while ago but getting a taste of of success getting a taste mm-hmm. of being a little bit better of like progressing of because I mean, with anything, it's it's frustrating to be a beginner at something or not be good at something. So I think it's definitely a part of it. Um, but I think, yeah, like designing a culture that incentivizes people to want to be better, to want to support each other, to want to continue to improve. I think that's another lot of components that can be moved around. Yeah. And I do feel like that's one of the, one of the biggest things I miss about like pro running was like there's no I mean there was eventually but like relays like you you're never on a team really so you're always just out there for yourself and like mm. you know that can be like kind of tough whereas like I definitely remember a lot of track meets like it's coming like the it's coming down to like the final four by four and like I'm the final leg but like you know all my relay team and the teams like around the track like cheering you on and like it just it never gets better than that like honestly it's like I think having that like environment and energy is like mm. so cool. And that alone can be like such a fun, even if you're not like the best person, like you're still contributing points or you're trying to contribute points to your team. And mm. that's like a cool thing that doesn't kind of correlate to the like pro level. Yeah, for sure. I Relays are the best. That was always like my favorite part of track was getting to do with your teammates. So good. Yeah. It's like sure. the... I don't know. There's pressure, but it's different than the kind of overburdening, like self-pressure of an individual race. Like, you know, you're, you don't want to let your teammates down in it with them. For sure. And like you said, that's like those, sometimes I think about like, I'm like, man, after running, I was like, I have no, like, what if I ever have to get a real job? I'm like, do I have any like (laughs) real life skills? But then you think about like these instances and you're like handling pressure and like being in a team and like those are, those are things that do correlate to a lot of probably instances in your life, like later on. Yeah, for sure. Was it, was it tough stepping away from professional running? Did you have all those questions? Um, For me, it was really easy. And I, that's how I kind of knew it was time. Like I, after the Olympics, like when I fell and I had like some back problems and like, I just, it took me like until probably 2016 to like start running well again. And at the 2016 Olympic trials, I was like fifth and I was like fourth with like the last hundred. So I, I honestly, like I ran really well. I was really proud of like where I had got myself back to. And I was kind of like, all right, I gave it my best. Like 
I think now I probably, I have achieved the most I'm going to. Mm. And by that time, like I'd met my husband and I just like could feel myself wanting to do like, like travel or just do like mm. other things. Um, and I remember like my contract was up that year and I hadn't heard anything, which was fine. Cause I had kind of made up my mind, but I messaged my agent. I was like, Hey, just so you know, like I'm retiring. And he, <laughs> calls, he calls me like right away. He's like, Adidas says they'll re-sign you. And then he's like, I could have made the same amount of money. And I was like, I'm good. Like, wow. I don't, I, so I was like, the fact that that to me was like a, the fact I was like, I'm not going to just like accept the contract and like do something that now I'm not excited about, like just yeah. do it. So for me, that was like kind of a good sign. I'm like, man, if I'm not going to accept like money to just do this, like even like half-heartedly, I was like, yeah, I was like, I just, I knew I was done. I was like, they can sign somebody else. <laughs> Dang. Uh, did you have any regret about it or? Not at all. Wow. No. Yeah. So you and just... I, I'm lucky, I guess, because I know it's not, it's not always that easy for people, but yeah, just, I knew it was time. Yeah, definitely. Never looked back. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so going back a bit, um, high school, before we wrap up that, is there anything, any like, moment that sticks out to you you have a favorite moment from from your time in high school um I didn't write down like a favorite moment like I think that just like the experiences with the team mm. like trump everything that I feel like I achieved individually um like of course like going to state cross country my freshman year was definitely like something that sticks in my mind because I think again, it was like, there was no, there really was like no expectations. Cause I'd only like just come onto like the high school scene. So, um, no one really knew who I was. And so like, that was pretty cool, um, to like, to be like, wow, I kind of like arrived. Um, but then the next year, I think, I don't even know if I made the next year, I like really hated cross country. And I, <laughs> I don't even know if I made state. You quit cross country, right? To focus on I basketball. I think I still yeah. ran my sophomore year and then I quit after. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And again, even now, like I, I, I didn't run in that rest of high school. I didn't run cross country in, in college. And part of me like does kind of wonder, cause I, I feel like I started as an 800 meter runner and then I eventually moved up to like the mile. And even now just with like cycling, I've kind of realized I have like a pretty good aerobic base that I didn't really tap into that much. And I kind of wonder, I feel like I'm like, man, maybe if I did run cross country, I could have been a pretty good 5k runner, but we'll never know. And I'm, I'm totally, it's fine that I, that I didn't do it. Cause I love the events that I did, but, um, yeah, so I don't regret not doing cross country because I feel like you kind of have to be true to yourself. And everyone wanted me to run cross country. The coaches came over to my house and all this. And my parents just were like, you can do what you want. We'll support you. And that was great because maybe not every parent would do that, but yeah, encouraged me to pursue basketball. And so- there we go. So are you, are you a pretty decisive person? Like when you make a decision, you kind of don't look back. Um, about certain things. Okay. I think, um, I think when it comes to something like that, where it's like a pretty like 
Um, it really is kind of not only affecting me, but it's like a personal decision. Like, of course, mm. like my team is affected, but, um, about those things, I think I have pretty good sense of myself outside of that, man. You're, you're like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, <laughs> man. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm really indecisive about things like that. Yeah. And that's my husband really like picks up the slack because he's, there we go. yeah, he's like, we're having burgers tonight. I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, so you eventually would go on to run at Cornell. Uh, what was the process of, of choosing Cornell and how is the kind of transition into college running? Sure. So there's some common themes um, that I'll get to in a second. But so I basically, I think the schools that I had narrowed down to were like UPenn, Kentucky, University of Illinois, Cornell, and maybe that's it. So those are the schools that I visited. Um, Kentucky was like a huge athletic school. I felt very like fish out of water. And I was like very overwhelmed. I remember going there. UPenn was fine. Oh, and I went to Boston College too to visit. Um, all those were just like, okay. And then I remember going to the University of Illinois and there was like a, a woman coach at the time, Karen Harvey, I think. And she had like made a home visit to like visit my family. Um, and I did really like that program. It was like, she was pretty intense, but it was like pretty serious. And that's like, a, it's a really well-known like athletic school. And I remember telling my mom that Cornell was my last visit. And I was like, I don't want to go. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to Illinois. And she's like, well, you already told Cornell that you're coming. So like, you just have to go, like, you can't not go. And I was like, fine. <laughs> and then like, thank God I did because it was the, it was the school that was like the most different, like Ithaca. Mm. I also just like did not, I was thinking I was going to be like, kind of like Manhattan-esque because uh -huh. I just didn't know I'd been in Indiana my whole life. I just didn't know <laughs> that I, when I thought of New York, I thought Manhattan. So Ithaca is like kind of in the middle of the state. It's gorgeous, but it's very rural. So it honestly kind of felt like Northern Indiana, but just mm. like in a different state. Uh, but the camp, it was like a good sized campus, like 13,000 undergrad, so it wasn't like too big. Um, and then the best thing <laughs> was that Ivy League schools um, like cannot give athletic scholarships. So they give financial aid. So I, I knew I'd be able to get like about the same financial aid that I would get a scholarship from the University of Illinois. Um, but at Cornell, they couldn't make me run cross country. <laughs> oh, there you go. And honestly, that's like one of the main reasons because University of Illinois, they're like, yeah, you have to run cross country. You have to do indoor track, outdoor track. It's, it's like a lot. And I was like, well, I don't want to do cross country. <laughs> because you're on, you would have been on scholarship. Because I would have been on scholarship yeah. and I would have had to like do what I was asked to do. And then yeah. at Cornell, I just like, wow, I don't have to have, and in my mind, I had no clue that athletics would have been a career so I'm like here I have the opportunity to get this like great education it's like out of state a chance to like travel a little bit and just see a different part of the country um so it just kind of like once I compared it was like apples and oranges they were just like so different at the end of the day yeah what uh what'd you study at Cornell communications okay I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And by my sophomore year, I'd kind of had like enough, like a decent amount of credits in like the agriculture school, which is 
no life sciences, which is where communications. Now I can't remember even what it was, but in that program, that's like every industry uses communication. So it just kind of seemed like something that could be very transferable. Yeah, definitely. I did this. I studied business at at Purdue. Kind of similar mindset. Like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I kind of liked that area and like applies to anything. It's tough. I mean, I felt very underprepared to make that decision and kind of like looking back, I don't know if that was something that I I just didn't like look into enough, but I just didn't know like even like what careers were out there and like what you need to study to get to those, to those careers, unless you're going to be like a lawyer or a doctor or kind of like names. So I just like felt very like, I don't know what, what I'm doing. So this works (laughs) (laughs) and like it worked out, but like, geez, we really ask like a lot of big decisions to be made on young people that don't have a lot of experience just because they're young. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I I don't even know if you really need college for anything outside of like being a lawyer or a doctor or something very technical. Right. I don't know. I'm glad I went to Purdue and I have like a lot of really fond memories. I feel like I learned some things, but <laughs> like in my career so far, I feel like I've, most of my learning has come on the job. For sure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was a big price tag to <laughs> for the college experience. It's a bit of a non-perfect education system. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. I'm glad I went. I had a great, like, four years and it did kind of lead to my ultimate career, but like that was kind of luck, you know, and a, some good timing really. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, I don't know, being willing to like pivot too. It, it's, it's tough when you go down that road of like having, spending so much money and so much time on a college degree kind of like locks you into something. It kind of takes, yeah. it's hard to like get out of <laughs> that okay. trajectory. And like deciding that, like you said, at such a young age, it's so much pressure. Yep. I know. This yeah. Is, you can be uh, your new business model can be to redesign the American education system. There we go. <laughs> the collegiate system, at least. I feel like things are like slowly changing. Like, like trade school is a, a more viable option now. Just going into workforce or the army, yeah. or something like that's more viable. Um, things are moving slowly. But... That's true. Yeah. And you probably see more, yeah, honestly, you probably have like a more better, like ear to the ground, just working with and being around like younger people who are about ready to go to college at some point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how was, uh, how was the transition to Cornell? Like how was, was training a lot different? Was the environment a lot different? Yeah, it was <laughs> a big train. I, de- I remember just like, I think it was one of the first days of practice and I came and I think I was wearing like my basketball sneakers <laughs> and they were like, where's your running shoes? I'm like, yeah, these. <laughs> what did you train in, in basketball shoes in high school? Well, I don't know that they were bad. Maybe they were basketball shoes, but they were like, they were like not running shoes. They okay, were just, yeah. kind of like, that was big. They had this big like air pocket in them that had like popped. <laughs> Like, I just like, didn't really know any better, I think. And I got made, fun, not like made fun of, but they were like, wow, like <laughs> be wearing those, like we're going to get, and we did, we did get shoes at least covered at Cornell. Like we didn't get much, but we got shoes at least. Um, 
the because I chose not to do cross country, I basically like all the other middle distance runners did cross country, like except for me. So I got lumped in with the sprinters, like the 400, 800 meter group, um, which again, I think was great because I developed, I had already some good speed, but then I developed like even better speed. And I focused like on the weight room and, and things like that, that I already enjoyed. Um, I will say like, the hardest transition for me. So I went, my PR in high school, I think was like 213 maybe. Um, and that maybe was in a relay even, but I like my freshman year in college, maybe I ran like, I don't, I can't even like 218. Mm. Like I ran badly. I definitely like the adjustment just to like the schoolwork and like the social part for yeah. sure. I was out late partying and like, I just never did that in high school. And I just like, I gained probably 10 pounds my freshman year and I didn't make the varsity team my freshman year. And I remember thinking like, like when the school year had ended, I was kind of like, that's not, that's not like who I want to be. You know, it's like, I kind of was like, okay, like, you got to just like get it together. <laughs> so yeah. I finally like trained over the summer. And then when I came back, I just, it's not like I just like all of a sudden didn't go to any parties, but I just knew how to like balance things better. And I took training more seriously. So then after not making the varsity team, my freshman year, like I was an all American, my sophomore indoor season. So yeah. it's just, I just needed, I had like a bit of like a you know, a big step back. And then, um, it just took me like a little bit of time to kind of like figure it out and mentally decide that I do still want to be like a good athlete. And so I just mm -hmm. had to kind of like refocus a little bit. Yeah. I was going to ask, did you have any thoughts of like leaving running just kind of focusing on school and social life, things like that? Um, no. And that, so like that never really crossed my mind. And I think that was like, why I was, it was like kind of an easy decision where I was like, man, like I am really sucking these days. And it was not all just like, I could, you know, sometimes it wasn't like things that were out of my control. It was all things that were in my control. And I was like, I just need to do a better job. Um, but you know, it's like the first time in my life that I'm like, I'm responsible just for myself and like no one's setting like yeah. curfew. So it's like, there are just like a lot of little things that you just kind of need to like, you'll figure it out or you won't, you know? So True. luckily I've, it didn't take me like a long time to figure like a year of having like bad running was like kind of rough, but, um, like, I'm just glad that, you know, I had some like heart to hearts with my parents, like mm. over that year for sure. But, um, ultimately just was able to turn it around. Yeah. How, uh, so you said you eventually found some balance. How did you, kind of keep yourself from swinging away to the other end of like, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not, I'm just, you know, lock in and like kind of go the other way. Like how, how are you able to strike that balance? Um, I don't know. I think that's just like, not my, it's not my personality to be like that, like really just like hyper-focused. Like I feel like I'm like a moderation person, like about everything. And, um, and that was probably true then. And, and probably like just my teammates, like at the time our team was like very social and like, we had like a bunch of, we had like track parties together. So it's like, it, it would have been, I think weird for me to just 
all of a sudden like turn away from the people I lived with and compete. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to do that, but um, yeah, I guess I just, I, I just don't think it's like in my nature to like, I can't just be like, if someone's like, oh, you need to not have any chocolate for this next month to like run better. I'd be like, I'm going to have some chocolate and <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, are there any uh, highlights, I guess, or any moments that stick out you know, about your time at Cornell? Um, God, see, these are the questions are the hardest. I, I just can't remember any like one moment. Actually, okay. So uh, I guess because I just thought of it, there was, I think it was my senior year and HEPs are the like conference meet. They're like all the Ivy League schools, they call it the HEPs. So we had like our HEPs meet in New York City at the Armory. And there was like a 400 meter runner at UPenn who was also like, she was like the best 400 meter runner in our conference. And she, we were the same year. And she, you know, had won like all the, all the 400s, but she decided to move up to the 800 this mm-hmm. year. And so it was like a big, like, you know, people are like, oh, okay, you're clashing. Like what's going to happen? <laughs> and I remember like, um, you know, the, the first like 400, she's like out in front and like, I'm in second and people are like losing it. But like, eventually like then after 400, maybe we're like even. And then I just like ran away with it, you know, in the last, last three quarters of the race or whatever. But, um, I do feel like in that, like, it was very satisfying just because people like, I don't know, when people kind of like doubt you, maybe it feels kind of like know what you're capable of and like really believe like in yourself and just kind of know that you're in control. And, um, I've always been a person that's just kind of like run my own race for better or worse. And I think sometimes that's, it's probably like held me back a little bit, but it's also allowed me to accomplish a lot. Like for instance, um, it must've been the 2011 US championships, which was to go to the world championships. And this was a race where Kristen Work Thomas had just like, she took off. She was like 70 meters ahead of the whole field. And, you know, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, it doesn't matter if you win. Like the, the whole point of that race is like to go to world. So like it was to get top three. So mm-hmm. I felt like I did a really good job of just like, staying calm and staying like super collected. And then like, eventually like I caught her in the last like 200 meters and I ended up winning, um, which was awesome for me. But like, I, I, again, it was just like, I ran my own race and like kept, you know, focused on what the ultimate goal was, which was just making the team. Yeah. I feel like I've been pretty good at that. Like most of my career. Yeah. Was it, was it a process of learning what your race style was? Um, I think sadly I'm not, I'm not much of a risk taker. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where I said, I think it could also work to, to my detriment because there's some races that go out really fast. And like, you know, there's part of me that kind of wishes now that maybe some of those races I would have just gone like I you know maybe I was gonna I like for some reason just like hate the idea of like dying and like blowing up but like sometimes you take that risk and it maybe is gonna work out so I just like never I feel like I never really I'm sure like I did take I like push myself but I was not like a huge risk taker and like I'm still not honestly so 
um, so yeah, I think like maybe being like too comfortable with my race strategy. Yeah. I think so, it is important to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. That's good advice. So you said you trained with the, the 400, 800 group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you notice like difference in your, I don't know, ability, maybe speed or aerobic capacity compared to, you know, your teammates who were, who were doing cross country and more on the distance side? Like, did you, I don't know, did you notice any differences there? Um, I definitely like, even though I was like a middle distance runner, like I was still on our four by four team, like at Cornell. So like, I still had like pretty good speed. Um, so yeah, I think probably I had a little more on the speed side and not as much on the aerobic side. Cause I still, like, I still never ran God, like in college, I spent even my longest long run was probably like seven miles. Oh, wow. Like, so I was still running 20 miles a week, maybe like super low mileage still like maybe a little bit more mileage towards my like senior year, but I just like, just never ran that much. So yeah. <laughs> I just, so my aerobic capacity was probably a bit, honestly, like behind where maybe it could have been. Yeah. But I also was never injured. So it's, you mm. know, was that why maybe because I was such low mileage, like I never had any major injuries. So that yeah. could also helped with that. If it's kind of a specific question, but if you were coaching a high school team and you had maybe a girl on the team, that's, that's like you more, I don't know, a little more speed focus, a little more middle distance, like how would you approach training her? Um, I think it depends. I think it depends like what her goals are, you know, mm-hmm. like what, what does she want to accomplish accomplish? And like, what does the kind of team need her to accomplish? Um, and I think for me, like throwing in like maybe a workout, like here or there, that's a, again, like a little bit out of her comfort zone, like see how she does. And like, uh, like a 10 minute tempo effort, which is probably maybe some, so don't even like give it really like a, maybe like a, a pace, just be like, run with this group 10 minutes. And just, I feel like just try to like get out of your, I feel like now, maybe, I don't know, people are really into like their splits and what their heart rate is. And mm-hmm. I think if you can try to take those numbers out of it and just, just kind of like throw them in with like a group and see how they do, they might kind of surprise themselves. Cause I feel like that's kind of what happened to me. They're like, okay, well, like the, the marathoners are doing a long run, like just run with them for this amount. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And you know, I didn't always make it very far, but you know, eventually it was like a little bit farther over the years, you know? Yeah, definitely. But middle distance is such a, like a, uh, there's so much nuance to it. Cause on our team now, like our best, 5k runner is also our best 800 meter runner like he has oh, got it. a lot of range you know yeah. um but then again like i also was an assistant for for fishers a couple of years ago and our best 800 meter runner was uh, was our best 400 meter runner so there's like this i don't know this overlap there it's kind of for tricky sure. to to figure out especially when they're when they are cross-country runners because you yeah. do you train them separately from everyone else do you not it's like yeah it's tricky yeah. And I think ultimately, I think I would have been fine 
either way, like maybe mm -hmm. I would have developed a little bit differently, but I think if you have like those talents, you're not going to like probably stifle them by, you know, as long as they're like getting in work again, I think you can keep it pretty like unscientific and not worry too much. Like if they're hitting their like lack mm -hmm. threshold, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I think especially as a middle distance runner, you need some speed and you need some endurance and mm -hmm. kind of that mix can, can be pretty different. And ultimately I feel like a lot of times as those athletes probably age, like the natural progression is to go to the longer distance anyway. Yeah. So I do feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe by, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's like, do you stick with the shorter distance or do you try kind of like maybe push to the distance part, because maybe that's where they're going to end up anyway. I don't know that there's a right answer. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. Like it seems to be true as people progress, like throughout the running career, they move up in distance. Yeah. I mean, Sarah Hall, I competed against her as a miler and oh, now wow. she's like, you know, a top U S or, you know, worldwide marathoner. Yeah. And not, I think she's, an outlier. Like, I don't think I could ever be a good marathon runner. I, I know I couldn't. So that's just like a, she's like, I said, an outlier. She's yeah. incredible. <laughs> she's incredible. So when did running professionally become an option or come into focus? It was pretty late, um, in my career. So I would say like my senior year, um, my coach knew my current, my agent ended up being Mark Wetmore who had gone to Cornell for law school, I think. So there was kind of already this like Cornell connection and he had set up like a meeting where we could just like chat. Um, but I don't think I was really on like anyone's radar. Um, cause I had been like a couple time all American, but I never placed, I never was like top three. I think maybe the highest I placed was like fifth. So again, like, I don't, I don't know for sure. I should check your notes are probably on there somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> I think I was maybe fifth at the best NCAA meet. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I was doing for me, I thought was great, but I wasn't like winning NCAAs. Um, so after I graduated, I was going to a U.S. championships and I'm probably going to mess this up because I don't know exactly when, like I met my agent, but I, I just remember like, I ended up going with Mark Wetmore because he like, there was like a Cornell connection and it almost felt like he was kind of like doing me a favor by mm -hmm. getting me a contract with Reebok, like a pretty small contract, but it was like three years. Um, what, did that answer your original question? I kind of like lost track of my... Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I guess a follow-up question. Is this something that you wanted to do or were you considering just going into your career? Yeah. Okay. So I did... I mean, I because I didn't really know that I would get a running contract or if that was even going to work out, I was like going to job fairs and mm -hmm. I guess interviewing for a couple of jobs, which they are terrible, man. Job fairs were the worst. Oh, like, the worst. I feel like now just because I kind of like know who I am, I would be mm. okay. Like, like I didn't know how to talk to people and everyone's like, oh, you need to make an impression. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm like every, these 
300 people are all trying to make an impression and say something memorable to this person they don't know. And I was always like really awkward. I feel like I did a terrible mm -hmm. job at like those jobs. <laughs> so <laughs> luckily I didn't have to rely on that um, because I was able to like, like I said, like just end up with a running contract. And then every year it just kind of like got better and better for me. Yeah, It's such a weird feeling like selling yourself. I don't know. Something yeah. about it. Uh, and you, an athletic okay. sport it's like you're kind of just doing it by like your actions like I don't need to like have this conversation and try to like you can see it you're like okay this is this is what I got and of course it, they probably care about what kind of person I am to like recruit someone for your team but yeah. but you know it's like it's very different yeah for sure especially a job where like you know you can do it and you know you'd be good at it and maybe there are like some areas where you're not, I don't know, you're not quite ready, but you know that, especially with like a sports background, you know what it takes to put in the work to be good at yeah. something. And but like how trying to- first, How do you know that? Like you're, when you've only gone to school and like, I had like little side jobs, but like, I mm. never had like a real job. It's like, how, like, you don't, how was I supposed to know? I yeah. didn't know. <laughs> exactly. So how did your professional running career like take form? How did it start off? Um, so I started with Reebok and at that time I, so after I graduated from Cornell, I had moved to Ann Arbor and I, there was like a small group of women that had graduated from the university of Michigan and they had stayed around to continue training with the coach, um, Mike McGuire. So I went there because my, like my coach Lou Duzing kind of knew Mike McGuire and it, I was mm -hmm. from Indiana. So at least I wasn't too far from home and it kind of just seemed like a good fit. So like, he didn't write me like any training. I basically just like, you know, I did everything kind of on my own, except for like workout days, we would just like all get together and work out together. Okay. And like that was a pretty tough, cause like those women were definitely like in a higher league than I was like coming from Cornell. And it was like also very competitive. It felt like, like they were great people and, and we definitely like pushed each other, but it was kind of like a bit too much, you know, like where you're like racing each other and practice and like every now and then, like I get competitive with my teammates, but like, it's very like occasional. This felt like every time it was like race to the line, race to the line. It mm. didn't feel like great so I ended up I think being there for like maybe three years though two or three years and then um a woman from that competed at Brown University um Anna Willard it's now Anna Grenier but she was a 2008 Olympian steeplechase do you know that name I don't know, I know yeah the, no that name definitely sounds familiar okay so she was like steeplechase um American record holder for a while so she yeah, had did, okay. she did a fifth year at Michigan so she, that's also kind of why I went there is because like I kind of knew her and and she was there and then when she graduated she went to Mammoth Lakes California and I stayed in Am Ann Arbor for a year but then she was kind of like telling me it was great and like like maybe I should look into it so I basically just like followed Anna like around <laughs> for the rest of my career so then I moved to Mammoth Lakes um and then that's like the coach I stayed with for the rest of my career but we did we would do like um altitude training in Mammoth Lakes California and then we drive or do camps at sea level in San Diego it was like a five mm -hmm. or six drive um 
so I think I was there for several years and then my coach Terrence, he got a job to do the UK athletics in England. So we, like a few of us moved to England and it was supposed to be like a five-year contract, but like, it was terrible. It was like, you know, they, they just like talk about England, how like rains all the time, like it rained all the time. It and it, there's no indoor tracks because it's not that cold. So it's um, like, you go warm up, get rained on, you'd work out in the rain and then you cool down in the rain and then you have to double at night in the rain. Like it was just like, I mean, there was definitely some good, some good seasons, but like summer was three weeks long and people were excited about that. And I was like, what do you, three weeks? I was like, that's not okay. I was like, that's awful. So it just, it did for a number of reasons. It didn't work out. And we, we only were there for like a year and then came back to Boston and, yeah. And so how was, how was the transition from like Cornell, like college running to pro running? Like, were you, were you working at all too? Or were you just running? Or? Yeah. So my first contract was with Reebok was $16,000 and that was before taxes and before whatever I paid my agent. So like I had to, like Ann Arbor was very cheap. Like my rent, I think was like $400. So luckily it was very affordable, but I did like my parents paid my cell phone bills and were helping me out. And then I did work as a personal trainer. And then also I worked at like a pet store, like a dog boutique store or something. Um, And I worked, I had a job for those first three years, at least part-time until I signed with Adidas. And then I got like, I just had like a better contract and which allowed me not to have to work then and just focus oh. on running. Okay. Nice. But it, it was, sorry, it was like a tough, I would say like the intensity was a lot higher just in terms of like the workouts, like much more intense workouts, but because we, I wasn't meeting, um, on other days, like I still wasn't really doing, I don't think like a long run and I wasn't doubling. Like I didn't double until I was pro and people always thought that was like, "Eh, that maybe is a lie. I don't think so. (laughs) I didn't double until like, definitely like later on. Now I don't want to say, because I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) What I was thinking was like, I remember being at a race and a lot of the races in Europe are late at night. So earlier in the day everyone goes and like does like a shakeout like they'll run they'll like jog for like 15 or 20 minutes and I never did that and then okay. <laughs> like like oh you did you or when are you gonna shake out I'm like what and they're like yeah what I was like what's that I'm like why would I run before I'm gonna race like it didn't make sense <laughs> to me and then like people people were like no like you need to do that like and they kind of like you know I eventually caught on and there you go shakeouts yeah yeah so you, you said that like at the end of Cornell, you were very good at the, at the college level, but you weren't like winning races necessarily. Did you have, ever have any questions, especially like early on, like, am I cut out for this? Do I really want to do this. Those kind of kind of questions. Um, I don't think so. I think part of me, um, like, I don't think if you asked me if, if you, if you would have been like, could you see yourself making an Olympic final? I probably would have been like, honestly, no, but I'm still, but like, again, I kind of just kept everything like small view. 
and just focused on trying to like be as good as my teammates. Really. It was just like keeping up in practice with Anna. Cause she was like kicking my butt like every day, but she was like super encouraging. And so I was like, okay, like I just need to like keep up with her. But then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, like she made the Olympics and like, she has all this success. So then it just, you, you know, you start to kind of piece it together where like, yeah. if the people you are training with are successful at a high level, like there's no reason you can't also be that. So I feel like I'm just kind of like a slow learner and things just kind of take me time to like, it just took me some time to kind of like gain that confidence and kind of build that confidence and just kind of go to meets and be like, okay, just stay with her. And then it was kind of like, okay, stay with her, but also, okay. Like I can catch like the next person. And it just kind of like built gradually. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like it's pretty important to have people around you that were maybe a little bit ahead of you kind of on the next level. Yeah. I think, you know, I think like going to a group where you're going to be like the best is like, like, where's your chance to grow? Like, I think that's one of those, one of those opportunities where you can, get out of your comfort zone and like try to find a team or group where you're not going to be the best. And like people are going to push you and you're going to in turn push, push them. And it's hopefully just like a nice, like symbiotic, everyone's helping each other with a common goal. Yeah. Uh, could you kind of walk us through your career as far as like racing and, and accomplishments, maybe some of the, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, how did things progress race-wise? Yeah. For my approach, pro time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, let's see. I mean, the highlight definitely, like I mentioned how running for your team and relay and stuff like in high school was, it's like, can't be beat, but the only thing maybe to beat that was the Olympic experience in 2012. So, um, I think being in London, I think like, again, like it was, had to have been the best Olympics, I think, to go to, unless that there's ever an Olympics in America, because it's English speaking. So it's just easy for like my family to come. Like there was good food. It was safe. All those kind of like outside things just made it easier to kind of like relax and feel like I was in America. So it felt like very similar. My teammate that went to Beijing said that like, you know, like 80% of the team got like food poisoning just because so there's things like that that are kind of out of your control whereas like okay like I was luckily to have like a much more positive experience um but it was also just great because at that time I was dealing with like a foot injury and I hadn't been able to like double at all like I had to do a lot of cross training we were living in Italy at the time so like I basically would run or work out and then my coach would like work on my like a foot injury He'd like work on my foot every day. And like, it was just like hanging on, like it was just mm. hanging in there, like just enough. And, um, but I knew my fitness was there. So like, I was kind of like in this place where I knew I was fit, but also like I had this injury. So it was like, you know, a bit like, what was wrong with it? Um, I never got any like imaging because I do remember my coach being like, well, like, what if your foot's broken? Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? And I'm like, you're right. I was like, I don't want to know. And like, cause like, honestly, like, I feel like, I don't think it was broken, but I think as, as an elite athlete or like an athlete of any kind, like there's probably injuries that you don't know about. Like you yeah. might have an ache that actually is a tear or you might, you know, and you just like, don't know. So I was managing it, managing it well enough. 
Um, and I was like, not, not going to the Olympics. Like that just wasn't enough. Yeah. So I just like dealt with it. Um, and so like after, yeah, I had like a good first round. It was like really, really tactical, but like, it's tough. Cause like they want you in the car room, like 90 minutes before your race. No way. Maybe it wasn't night. It was like an hour. It's like, usually you're in the car room, like 20 minutes or something, but like you have to start your warm up like an extra, like almost like 40 minutes ahead. And then you're in these little rooms and you're trying to like do drills and jog and like stay calm at the same time. So it was definitely like a lot of time spent just moving from like one room to the next room and like sitting around. And that was like a bit tough, but I remember like after the first round, like it went well. And then I like, I immediately like had to go find my like physio to like get my foot worked on. And then there was like a day in between where I just like, I think I cross trained, maybe I jogged a little bit and then the semifinal, like same thing. But I just remember like walking out for like the final and like, I've never heard like a louder noise in my Uh life. It was just so incredible And like the kind of feeling where like, I remember my coach was like, look around. He's like, don't go out there and just like head down, you know, trying to like really focus. He's like, look around, like take it in. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what you're here for. And I was really glad that he said that because it also just made me like, instead of getting really nervous, I was nervous, but it's also just like, oh my God, like, this is really cool. Like, this is the most amazing thing ever. So, and I have that memory, which I definitely thank him for. Um, And then obviously like the race was like, super tactical, super slow, which a lot of those races are. And I got, I I think someone ended up like clipping my, like kind of just kicked my foot in so that I kicked, I tripped myself essentially. And I fell and a lot of, I I was like the whole thing was like devastating, but I, I have like mixed emotions now because that race now has been determined as like the official dirtiest race of like any Olympics. So of the like 13 or 14 women, I think like nine of them got caught doping later on. Whoa. So it was crazy. So part of me just like wishes, cause at the time, like I'd had this injury and like, I was there to like get top three, like that was my only goal. Mm-hmm. And so when I knew that like, wasn't going to happen, I just, I just was like, I'm done. So, cause like, now I like kind of wish that I had finished the race, mm. even if I had just like walked <laughs> or <laughs> cried and jogged in, you know, like, I'm like, I could have literally like maybe walked in and someday been like a third medal placer because yeah. so many people got caught doping. But at the time, like that just like, wasn't where my frame of mind was. So, um, and then I just ended up like not racing the rest of the season because my foot had been so messed up and just like called it quits for then. But it was still like, it was, it was such a great experience. And I'm so glad that I was able to like represent a small town in Indiana and so cool. Absolutely. So if you get tripped, there's no, like, you don't get anything for that, right? So if it happens in the prelim or the semifinal, like I've seen it a lot that you probably, as long as it's not your fault, you'll probably get put into the Mm -hmm. next round, but in a final, no, like nothing can happen. And so of all the races I've been tripped in, it's all been finals. Yeah. I will say, cause we talked about like, so 2011, I got just like taken out, like some other girl fell and like just totally obliterated me. And I did finish that race. 
Um, and then, but I will say that I do not have great balance. Like I'm definitely one of those people. There's some people they can get like, boom, jostled. And they're just like rock solid. Like I am not one of those people. And also because my foot was so like sore and tender, like any little like thing I was like, ow, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I was like, uh, not rock solid, like the opposite yeah. of, of rock solid, <laughs> like wafy and just not. So I, it's kind of unfortunate that I just was like, maybe if, I mean, I don't know that I would have like kept myself up, but I didn't. And that's really all that matters. <laughs> yeah. What, so was the whole experience like what you expected? I mean, I imagine you grew up like, watching the Olympics and, and eventually wanting to be there. Like, was it, was it all it's cracked up to be? Like, what, what did you think about it? Yes, it really was. It mm. really was awesome. And I did get to go to like a couple other events, like after my race, like before I didn't, I was like super focused. I didn't, there's like all these houses you can go to, like there say there's like beats is like a sponsor of the Olympics. So you can go like wait in line and because and get whatever your country you're representing, you get got like free headphones with like your country's oh. flag. On them. But I'm like, I'm not going to go wait in line. I'm not, like, I'm here to do a job. Like this is, this is one of those times I was like very focused on what I was doing. And I was not like into like anything outside of that. But once the event was over, I like went to the final soccer match. Oh, cool. Maybe that's the only thing I went to, honestly. Um, but you know, my family, my brother got to come into the village and I got to hang out with my family. And so I still did like fun stuff and it was, it was very fun. Like the village was great. Um, I had a good time. Yeah. So, so you've, uh, you mentioned this kind of briefly, but you've been tripped in three like big, big meets. Um, how, how do you handle that? how did you bounce back? I don't know. You said you kind of have mixed emotions about it now. But. Yeah. I mean, mixed emotions only in the sense. Cause like it was, I do remember afterwards, like it was tough. Like I'm not like someone who like reads message boards and things like that, but I definitely got sucked into people being like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe she didn't finish the race. Like she didn't mm -hmm. represent you team USA, like how selfish. And like, that was like pretty hurtful. Yeah. Also, because I think if you're not like, you're not like in my mindset. Like some people are there just to be there. Like they're like, maybe they got hurt and they're like, oh my God, I got here. They're not expecting to like do much. And so like, that's fine. But like, I was there to like meddle. Mm -hmm. So I like, that was it. And like, I knew I could do it. So for me, it was like all or nothing. And by and when I got tripped, like I've never been someone, some people I think also can like get up right away and have all this adrenaline and like catch up. But like, we had been going so slow and mm. all of a sudden, like the last lap was going to be like a sub 60 second. And like, I'm just, I'm just not that person that can like bounce up. Like I would be really emotional and like crying. I can't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'm not, I, cause it's happened before in other races. Whereas like some people, you know, they can like bounce up right away and they're like going. I'm like, that just wasn't the person that, that I am. So yeah. um, it's definitely tough. And it, it does kind of suck to be like, what if this would have happened? What if, but like, at the end, of, at the end of the day, like I've had an amazing career, like regardless of that happening, um, and I'm not upset with any of it. So, yeah. So you, 
So you, the finals of the Olympics doesn't go exactly how you want and your foot is, is pretty badly injured. How are you feeling coming out of the Olympics? Like what was your outlook on the rest of your career? Were you still pretty motivated ready to keep going or? Yeah, I was still, I was definitely still really motivated because 2011 had been such a good year and 2012 really did still like build off of that. So I definitely felt like my trajectory was pretty strong. Um, and then I think, like, I don't know if it was a bit mental, but I definitely like struggled for, like I said, like a few years, like I just wasn't running that well. And like, I was seeing some like therapists and hypnotherapists to try to like work through, like if the fall maybe had like kind of messed with me a little bit, cause I'm sure that it did. It was like kind of traumatizing in a way. Um, but yeah, just, um, I think it just took like whether that was all of it, but you know, we have, I have this, like, this is just like also how life rolls. And I just had some down years and that's just what happens. But again, like I have, I have a really good, like Adidas was like a great sponsor. They never like, like I've heard of like Nike athletes getting cut by like 50% or worse. And like Adidas had options to reduce me and they, I don't know that they ever did, or if they did, it was by like 10%, you know? So like they were really good sponsors and like having that backing also was like kind of nice. Cause they didn't have to worry about, Oh my God, I'm only making a quarter of what I did and whatever. I just, I didn't have to worry about that. So, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know why I like struggled, but like, I definitely did, but I, I never was like, Oh, am I done? I don't think, mm -hmm. I think I always thought that I could get back as long as I just stayed committed and maybe like kept trying new things. Yeah. Is the, the process of finding a sponsor, is that pretty challenging? Like, was it tough to find the right the right sponsor? Um, so for me, it's, it's basically like I had my agent and like, they're the ones that negotiate on your behalf. So they're the ones who are talking to people. And like, I don't think I ever had, it wasn't ever really like, well, Nike's going to offer you this and Adidas this. And it wasn't like I had all these options. I, I feel like it, like agents also kind of end up working with certain shoe companies more so like my mm -hmm. agent kind of had a lot of adidas athletes already so it, it kind of just like made sense that like that's the way i was gonna go so yeah pretty, pretty straightforward and then what was your training like during this time were there any like workouts that you really liked any aspects of training that really worked for you um yeah so i'd say like my my kind of like go-to workout where i feel like i always mentally felt like okay, I'm ready was, I think it was only two sets of four by 400 oh. at mile race pace with a minute rest. Mm, so it's like, you know, you're running like 64, 64 would have been like four minute flat pace. So trying to hit kind of like 62 to 64 off a minute rest, um, with like a bigger break in between the sets. Um, so that was like my favorite. I loved like 400s but I did learn to love like tempos and stuff like that too so a lot of times in this time I would do say like either that mile specific kind of workout or I would do like an 800 specific workout like 300s and 200s like fast like like I can't <laughs> I can't remember like what I would run but like sub 800 meter 
race pace. And mm. then like right afterwards, go do like a 10 minute tempo or something where mm. like you're running a tempo on like lactic legs. Yeah. So it's kind of like all that mixed together, you know? Yeah. What about your mileage? How much mileage were you doing? The, the highest I ever got, I think was 70. Um, but I would say that's the highest ever. And that was like one week. So I was more probably in the like sixties. Okay. Yeah. Was that a big adjustment? Going um, up in it built really slowly. Like mm-hmm. even at my time at Ann Arbor, you know, I probably was working up to at least like 30 to 40. And then when I first joined Mammoth, I was like 40. And then I was like getting to 50. So, I mean, it was over the course of like a decade that I was just building up yeah. really slowly. Do you feel like that bump in mileage helped? I think so. Um, especially once I moved to like the 1500, um, but I do think that I was happy part of my, I think when people get to a point, their brain is like more is better, more, more, like more mileage, more long run, more work, like more of everything. And I, maybe I'm glad that I started off so low because like, it was such a low, a steady progression that more kind of, I think always was better. But I think if I had already started at a higher point, like I couldn't have gone, like it wouldn't have been beneficial for me to run like 90 miles a week or even right. 80, I don't think. So, um, I think it's hard in your brain when you're trying, you want to be better. You're like, where does that come from? And I think the easiest thing is to do more of something. And that's not always the answer. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Did you, did you want to say something? Oh, I, was just gonna, I think like, I would say, especially for like young runners, I would try to focus on like quality, like mm-hmm. sure. Like maybe practice or play around with adding in some extra mileage or something like that, but focus on gym work, recovery, sleep. Mm-hmm. Those things are like, they don't seem that like cool or that you're like, Oh, Hey, I got nine hours of sleep last night that like doesn't sound great but like those things just make as big of an impact as maybe even more of an impact than just like doing more of everything you can't just continue to do more of all the physical things for sure I think that that's so huge because like obviously when you're doing the work you're that's when you're breaking down your body and the the repair the recovery that's so yeah so important you don't you don't see it and you probably feel it if you really think about it, but like, you probably feel fine. You don't feel bad maybe. So you just like, you're maybe not getting like indicators that you're stressed or run down. For sure. Especially when you're in high school, you're just so elastic and it's so oh. easy to bounce back. And you're just so used to hanging out with friends until two in the morning, staying up late, doing homework. You don't feel it quite as much because you're so young, but getting in those good habits early, especially if you're wanting to run in, in college. I think it's so huge. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. I think that's well said. Um, so before we go to kind of post running, is there anything about even high school, college, um, professional career that we missed any moments that you wanted to bring up? Um, I don't think so. I remembered like more things than I thought I was going to. So that's great. Cool. Cool. Uh, so you, you touched on a little bit, but what are you up to these days? What have you been doing since retiring? Um, yeah. So after I retired, like pretty quickly realized that I wanted to stay like in a kind of athletic field. And I had been a personal trainer briefly when I lived in Ann Arbor. 
Um, and I did really love that. So I just kind of was like, I'll just go back and do that. So I studied for my test and then got certified. And um, I initially worked at like a generic kind of like Boston sports club, but like, that's like what I, I realized, like, that's like a sales job. Like they just want mm -hmm. you to like sell sessions. And I'm like, I'm not a salesperson and I'm not in this to be. So my husband works at a rock climbing gym. And so mm -hmm. I, there's weight rooms in the rock climbing gym. So I was fortunate enough to like, be able to work out of the weight rooms there. And so that was super fun because there was only like me and one other trainer and people who were asking for our services were like seeking our help as opposed to me going out and trying to be like, Hey, do you want a session? Hey, you want training? Like, <laughs> right. so it really ended up, and I work there to this day. So it's been like really fun. So are you working with rock climbers or anybody? I do some, and I don't know. So Kashin, my husband thought it was really fun. Do you, um, Hobbs Kessler, do you know yeah, that name? For sure. Okay. So he's like, Shane's like, Oh, he's an amazing rock climber, but he's now running professionally so yeah. it's, it's like I just and in my mind like now that I've rock climbed a little bit I'm like they are so different like there's some sports there's like overlap I'm like there's no overlap with rock, <laughs> rock climbing and running so like props to him for being able to do like both competitively yeah. uh, I got off off topic again sorry it's like I, <laughs> I think there must be like some overlap because I do know a good amount of runners or bikers or like just like aerobic athletes that love rock climbing I don't know maybe it's just like completely different so that's why they like it or yeah that could I think you, I mean you do use your legs but like at least what I found and maybe I'm just, I would never was great at it it's like very upper body focused but I think it's more like I find people that love rock climbing are really like, um, like they're problem solvers. Mm. And whereas like, I, like I said, like I'm that person that wants to just like train, like, I just want to be told what to do and kind of put my head down. And like, that's not a good rock climber brain. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's why I'm just good at like more of the running side. <laughs> yeah. It is a really cool sport, especially when you like do it outside, do it in, in nature. Yeah. That's um, so Hobbs is a, he climbs like competitively. Um, I guess I don't know if competitively, but he's like well-known and okay. like he's very good, I guess, in the rock climbing world. So I don't know that he competes, but he, I think does do maybe more like outdoor climbing, but like at a high level. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I think I read in an article that you're biking now. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually, this is funny. I, I'm competing in the E world championships in two weeks, February. Wow. What, what is that? So have you ever heard of Zwift? Yeah. So Zwift is like, I have like my actual bike that's on a smart trainer. So like I take the rear wheel off and it's on a trainer. Okay. So like I pedal my bike and then it actually pedals like an avatar on my Apple TV. So you can okay. use like your computer or whatever. It's like an app essentially. Um, but it's great because you can, you basically can ride or compete against people from all over the world. Like people all over the world are in their little basements or offices, <laughs> like on their bikes, like pedaling against each other. Uh -huh. So I basically, I qualified for the USA team. And I mean, they, you, I have to like videotape myself, like weighing in. Cause like you can weight dope. Like that's, you could basically say, cause like it's all Watts per kilogram. Oh, so, okay. you know, if you like 
lie and say you're 10 kilograms lighter, like you're going to put produce higher numbers in the game. Mm -hmm. So they have to like verify, you know, they, they're, they call it Zada, like instead of WADA, which is like world anti-doping, it's like the Zwift anti-doping. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they send us like all the same trainers to use, but yeah, I'll just be like in my little dungeon, like competing against people in Italy and Sweden. And the, the Zwift world is called, is in Scotland is where the e-world is taking place. Okay. So how does the race work? Is it like um, Tour de France or is it just a single race or? So last year they did just one race and it was like longer this year. It's like three shorter back-to-back -back races. And so it's like an elimination. So it's like, I think it starts with 85 and then you have to get top 30 to qualify for the second race. And then you have to be top 10 to qualify for the last race. Okay. Um, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned, like I was hit by a car two months ago, um, while riding my bike outside and I, mm compound fractured my humerus and I fractured my sacrum. So I'm like not in top shape because <laughs> I had to take a bunch of weeks off. And then I started cycling back like really easily. Um, but like, so I'm, I'm in like decent shape, but like, I'm just gonna, it's like, it's going to be like a fun event that I'm just going to hopefully see what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's really scary. Are you, you're yeah. okay? I'm okay now. It was definitely like, um, I was riding with my husband and I had like a radar on my bike. So it starts flashing when a car is coming and then it alerts me. I have like a little computer. So I'm like, Oh my, Oh, Hey, a car's coming. So we like got over in single uh -huh. file and it was like a construction truck and they just apparently never saw me and I was in back. So it just like hit me and kept driving. It's like, they didn't stop. No way. But my husband saw the name of the company, so we were able to tell the police. And so, did out. you know what was happening when you were like being hit? Or no, it was just, I was just like on the floor, just like, and then being like, I think my arm looks weird. Wow, <laughs> I don't think it's. But like, I was like a bit in shock. But um, so I have like now like a plate and six screws in my arm. Wow, do you but get those out eventually, or they stay in there permanent? Oh. Yeah. Okay. But you're like healthy for the most part. Yep. Okay. Yep. Dang. So again, take care of your bodies, be healthy, do all the sports. Cause I honestly think like just by being, uh, an active person, like my recovery was a lot faster than mm. my doctor thought it would have been. Yeah. So are you planning on continuing to compete with Zwift and, um, definitely on Zwift. Um, real life bicycling I'm like on the fence about because I've also crashed my bike outside because like I've ridden my bike casually for like my whole life but mm -hmm. racing like no I just feel like I haven't like I just need someone to like teach me basically how like racing a bike is different than riding a bike like cornering and descents and mm. um so yeah I don't I don't know I'll probably still do some there's a lot of like hill climbs that I might get into because that's kind of more like time trials and I'm like better at climbing um so yeah we'll just kind of see I'm just gonna like try to have fun with it cool well, that's exciting fun yeah. to pursue it yeah. is fun it, and it's cycling is so much easier on my body like I still run like for fun but I could ride my bike for like six hours five hours and be like fine you know, because mm. like it's there's no impact. So like mm. you're tired, but you, your joints feel 
good. And if I now go run for like 10 miles, like I'm probably going to feel kind of like achy and for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's been a nice like change of scenery. Yeah. Do you swim at all? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you had any interest in doing like triathlons in the future or anything like that. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I can respect that. Cool. Well, I appreciate the time. This was awesome. Uh, is there anything yeah. else you wanted to say before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I feel like I should have had like some nugget. I would say, I feel like I should have a words of wisdom. Um, I think if there has, I think some of the biggest takeaways are to try to, and I know it can be hard, especially when you're younger, but just like surround yourself with people that you want to be like, and that, you know, have the same goals as you, um, Mm -hmm. over the, over time, you know, I've heard, there's been a lot of stories about, I feel like, especially women athletes that have been pressured into looking a certain way, being a certain weight. And I feel like so fortunate that I cannot think of like one time that I, and I've had only male coaches and I've never had any instances of, you know, have you thought about losing weight or none of that. So I feel like very fortunate that I've had like really good support systems, um, and really healthy support systems. So I'd say like, mm. try to surround yourself with those people. Dang, that was, that was great off the top of your okay. head. That was awesome. <laughs> so that's a great way to end. Perfect. Uh, cool. Well, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And you'll just have to let me know where I can watch. Yes, I definitely will. And my family will love it. I'll there you go. <laughs> all right, family, so. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, everybody, until next time, we'll see you.